In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. All right, folks, welcome back into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jared Mueller. Hope you are enjoying Victory Week as we record this Monday night. Listen, we're not going to pretend like, ooh, it's Tuesday morning, even though that's when this is going to get published. Listen, we're recording Monday night for Tuesday morning. If anything happens between Monday night and Tuesday morning, we probably aren't going to talk about it here. We're just being real with you. We don't try to pretend to be anything more than we are. So today, I have the honor and privilege to talk to my guy, your guy, the funny guy, Mr. Stephen Thomas. Stephen, how are you today? I am uh, nine and three. How are you, Jared? I, I am nine and three. And l- listen, 14-year-old Jared <laughs> didn't even know what nine and three was. Was just like, ooh, football, yay! Uh, didn't know how to appreciate what he had, but uh, this age, Jared, knows how to appreciate nine and three. It's been a long time since they've had a winning record and a long time uh, since we've been this good. And so, especially after a big win over the Tennessee Titans, obviously we know the score ended a lot closer than anyone would have expected. We'll start there, Stephen, with the the first half. The first half was exciting. You ran the OBR account, uh, as always. So on Sundays, if you want a fun uh, place to follow along to the game, you go to the OBR on Twitter, which is at the OBR. Stephen, first half feelings. How were you feeling as that game unfolded and the Browns took that huge lead in the first half? Well, like giddy, just like everybody else. I mean, you know, we all thought that they had a chance to go down and win, but I, I don't think anybody expected – I mean, we all thought it would be, you know, grind it out. Nick is going to run for 180 yards, and Derrick Henry's going to run for 170. And, you know, if, if they're going to grind it out, it's going to be eight possessions total, and it's going to be 17-13. That was the chance they had. I don't think anybody, except maybe Kevin Stefanski, thought <laughs> that that was possible because – I, I, I don't think the Titans thought it was possible either because, you know, I mean, you're talking about a good football team over there, and Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach, and he just looked shell-shocked. I mean, he had, they had no idea what was coming from play to play to play, and that was evident not only from the score, obviously, but from the fact that nobody was near Baker 90% of the time. Uh, he had, you know, all the time in the world. He was throwing to guys a lot of the time that were alone, wide open. I mean, just, it was, the the first half was about as fun a half of football as I can remember watching since, since you know, the co-star years. I mean, I, I can't remember being that far ahead of a good football team, you know, or a bad football team for that matter since the return. It was a blast. And what's funny is, and, you know, everybody's seen the memes and stuff on Twitter, that, the Browns fan just comes out in all of us. It's 38-7 to at halftime, and interspersed with, oh, my God, this is great, there were all these conversations of, <laughs> okay, now everybody breathes. Not over yet. There's a long way to go. You know, I think we're the only fan base that does that <laughs> at halftime with a 31-point lead. But, 
um, yeah, the first half was was a blast, and I think. You and I had been had had some you know conversations offline. I had some with Jake Burns as well uh, during the three monsoon games. That it, it really did look during those three games like the offense was starting to click a little better. Baker was starting to recognize things a little better, but the the unbelievably severe weather was just limiting not only the execution but what Kevin could actually call. I mean, it, you were just handcuffed to a certain extent. And Jake and I kept wondering, okay, when when they get to a decent weather game, you know, are they going to be able to unleash some stuff? And, you know, it's only one game and, you know, everything could turn, obviously, next week. But uh, I think it was proven that that was correct. They're, they're really starting to get into a groove and a rhythm uh, on offense. Baker's starting to anticipate things more instead of reacting. He's starting to look more relaxed, more comfortable, and Kevin is starting to give him a little bit more leash. So, you know, assuming health the rest of the year, I don't see why they can't become a, 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 an extremely formidable offense that other teams have to game plan, you know, specifically to go, okay, how are we, what are we going to try to take away? Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, that's huge. Is go ahead. The, the running game, they used it when, they, when it worked best for them, and they had an opportunity and needed to, right? Like the Titans have a very good defense, except against play-action pass and some of the movement stuff and those kind of things. Right. And so having that... You know, we talk about quarterbacks, and I'm going to write this up a little bit, uh, I think, for my tomorrow article, or the Tuesday article, which will be today for most of you. Again, we're going behind the scenes. This is just the way it is. But, you know, when we talk about quarterbacks and being able to make plays off-platform, arm angles and all that stuff, the same way with the offense. The ability, Kevin Stefanski, early in the year, we didn't just see straight zone running. We saw some gaps, some power, some man, all the different things. So the ability to to have an offense that can work against the weather, work against the defense, throw the defense kind of off of their game and what they expected, that's what you saw in the first half. The Titans were like, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. And even after the Browns were throwing the ball, they're like, well, they'll get back to running the ball. They're going to get back to running the ball. Right. No, 38-7, champ. Like, that's just the way it worked. And having that ability and having that confidence in Baker Mayfield and obviously the weather – plays a role. You're not going to do that in the three weather games that they had. It's just really nice to have, listen, to have the fastball, to be honest. You know, that's the fastball, you know, the run games, the curveball, the change up the slider. But when you have the fastball in this day and age, the 2020 NFL, the fastball is the passing game. And the Browns showed they can do that when they want to, when the defense is set up, when the weather is good, they have that ability. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun in that first And I think, I think, you know, piggybacking on what you're saying, the ability to adjust and all that kind of stuff, it just got, it, from the coaching staff, to have a coaching staff that recognizes, okay, this is what we do, but then adjusts week to week within that. They don't try to do things that we can't do, but, okay, we're, you know, this team is, in in a general sense, and I don't want this to be, sound like I'm making a direct comparison, but it's the overarching concept of, you know, quote-unquote, the Patriot way from the past 20 years. Belichick, week to week, okay, we're good at these things, these eight things, what, what, of those is our opponent bad at defending. Okay, these two things are what they're... We're going to do these two things 37 times this week. Next week, we're going to play a different team, and they're they're bad at defending these three other things. So we're going to do those different three concepts 37 times in that game. And I think that's what Stefanski is showing the ability 
to do is to, within your strengths, within your concepts, within your scheme, adjust week to week based on what your opponent can and cannot do. And, you know, when you, like I said, when you boil it down, that's the Patriot way. Put your guys in positions to do what they do well against what the other team doesn't do well, which is, you know, a, a very simplistic way, and it's not easy to do. But it, the fact, like you said, the fact that they've shown the ability to adjust not only week to week, but game to game, half to half, and drive to drive is we. Have, we I, I can't remember the last time we've seen. It. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Even during the co-star years, they had their game. I mean, it was you know, it was Marty Ball. They, this is what we're doing every single week. He, they didn't really adjust week to week to week. So. Uh, just the ability to see that is exciting and new and fun, and especially after a win, you know, nine and three, man. I mean, it's it's been a blast, and none of us expected this. Nobody expected I mean, nine and three. The the amount of plays that we can think back to, I I tweeted about the candle uh, candle Lamb touchdown, fat guy touchdown, right? Like Nick Chubb dove over not a pile, but d- jumped over as right. a fullback fake. You know, Kareem Hunt took that out like he was the primary receiver. Baker, you know, there's just so many exciting things. The the deep ball uh, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, the Richard Higgins fade, I think it was about 20-some yards. Like, there were just so many plays that you're like, oh, this is what a real offense looks like. This is kind of <laughs> cool. Like, this is kind of fun. Wait, it's 38-7. to 7. Like, it just seemed like – and it, the funny thing it was, it was like, ooh, if we can keep this 14-7 to 7 lead, if we – or whatever it was, 14-7. Right. Ooh, if we can really keep this 24-7 – Okay, wait, how many points are we going to score up in here? Like, it just continued to be that thing, and you're like, all right, keep it going, keep it going. When do the Titans give up? Oh, crap, they don't give up, which transitioned us to the second part. So, Stephen, everybody knows, uh, whatever you want to call it, I said on on, uh, the victory pod that the Browns played the odds and and allowed the game to just happen. Uh, they, They didn't take their foot off the throat. They took the foot off the gas realizing it would be very, very difficult for anybody to come back. The reality was they had a double-digit lead still with a minute and 20-whatever, three seconds left. But, again, ends with, uh, you know, a one-score victory. How does the second half – does the second half impact how you evaluate the team or evaluate that game? Not really. Um, The defense – I mean, if you go back to August, there are five – guys that at that time they expected to start on the defense that are gone, whether you're talking about opt-outs or injuries. Half of your defense. I mean, we have backups of backups of backups that are not only playing but starting and playing, you know, 90% of the snaps. And again, the Titans are a good football team. Against a team like that, you can only scheme for so long before they're going to find open guys and find creases and things like that. And I, I wrote it in my uh, my wrap-up article uh, that published today. It, yeah, it, it was another one of those games that was, yeah, technically it was a one-score game, but they scored late and made it far more respectable than it actually was. And you go back, the, the Donovan Peoples-Jones drop on the first drive. Jarvis had a drop in the red zone on the second drive, third drive, somewhere in there that you know caused another field goal. Uh, um, Richard had a drop, uh, very uncharacteristic for both of those guys, that stopped a drive somewhere near midfield that could have ran, you know, more time off the clock. I mean, just if you think about just if Baker converts that fourth down with a minute ten left instead of the, you know, the fumble, if he just goes down, they get the first down. Well, now they're in victory formation. The final is 41 to 28, and the last seven points of that, like you said, came meaningless 
you know, with a minute 10 left or whatever it was, minute 20, and everybody's saying, oh, well, yeah, it was a 13-point win, but really it was a 20-point win. The narrative is so, so, so much different rather than we had to sweat it out through that second onside kick. So it's just a couple of plays. You know, a dominant blowout win on the road. Um, and I think, like I said back at the beginning, the health of the defense uh, plays into that. If they were even remotely healthy at some key spots, I think a lot of that stuff goes differently. And then, you know, I mean, you could also throw in how many fourth downs, how many penalties on – I mean, we had two turnovers on their one drive that got called back with penalties. If they called, you know – one-tenth of the holds and other penalties on Miles Garrett. You know, they don't score two of those touchdowns. I mean, you know, so the NFL is a game of inches, and it's every game turns on three to five plays. So I don't think the second half showed us anything that we didn't already know. The defense, it, they're down. I mean, they're the next man up to the next man up brigade at this point, and they're going to struggle in spurts. They're, but if they can continue to make just enough plays – the offense, if it keeps humming like this, it should be able to bail them out uh, quite a bit. That's just the reality of the situation with this team at this point in this 2020 COVID season. And I don't really think the second half showed anything that we didn't already know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where people just have to have the ability to understand that these kind of things happen, right? In the NFL, the Browns' defense has been great. The reality that the Titans probably stuck to their run game longer than they should have. Uh, they didn't They didn't adjust. They didn't say, okay, crap, the Browns are throwing the ball, and they're throwing it all over the place on us, so we should do something different. They just, they just didn't adjust until the second half, and then by the second half, you know, things had kind of gotten out of hand. So, good, I'm glad we agree. Not that that's always important, but I think it's important to really see things in perspective. A win is a win, and, and the way that I would describe it is, if that game was more back and forth, so if you, instead of having most of the Browns scores in the first half and right. most of the Titans scores in the second half, if you interspersed those, we would be like, great, we won by, uh, you know, we won by six, right? Like, it's just how they came that people get stressed out. But in the end, if the, the score ended the same, but, but it was literally every other score and the Browns just got the last score, we would have probably been more stressed out. But we would have taken the win and been like, that's great. We took control on the road against a quality team. And so we can't let the narrative of how the game goes have that huge of an impact on how we see the game. Because in the end, that is a win. So um, before we get on to, I'm actually going to throw something in to the script that you were not planning for. Uh, But first, I'm going to talk about Indeed. So uh, you can go ahead and get ready for that. Uh, The Cleveland Browns have claimed Marvin Hall, wide receiver from the Detroit Lions. (laughs) We're going to let me talk about Indeed while Stephen at least gets five seconds to think about that. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your 
business going. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And just a little side note, uh, some of my uh, clients are looking for jobs, and we went to Indeed, and there were 95,000 jobs that were remote. So if you are worried about any reason to work (laughs) remotely or that is important to you, uh, at least recently, there was 95,000 jobs under the category of remote. Just in the location section, write the word remote. You can find all 95,000 of those. So, Stephen, talked a little long to just give you a second to digest the fact that the Cleveland Browns have claimed wide receiver Marvin Hall, who this year had a game of over 100 yards receiving at least. Tell me what you think about the Browns and their new wide receiver. Well, uh, you know, a few days ago when the Lions released him, I was one of, you know, a few of us. I certainly wasn't the only person, but said, yeah, I mean, I would take a shot at him at this point because he fills a specific role in this offense, uh, and that is, you know, over the top, uh, you know, deep threat. I mean, he ran in the four twos at his pro day. You know, I mean, the guy can absolutely fly, and, you know, with only a few games left in the season and as complex as – Kevin's system is, and, you know, as we've seen, how long it can take to really, you know, fully grasp it. I wouldn't expect a ton of snaps for him uh, if they put him on the active roster, Um, but if you can get him in there, even eight to ten snaps a game, and just say, okay, you know, you go long, you know, (laughs) like the old, uh, uh, you know, Bill Cosby routine, okay, you go long, you know, and, and... that's you know if you hit him once over the for a score over the course of the next four games you know that that's totally worth it because I've been trying to figure out exactly how to say this for a while now but because it seems like Stefanski's system and I don't want to it's sort of this thought process was born out of the OBJ argument you know his breakers grades before you know Odell got hurt and since he got hurt and people arguing that you know he's a hindrance and blah 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 I don't that. But it got me thinking about it. I mean, I'm on the side that you want someone that's talented on your team. But it got me to thinking about how guys fit into certain roles in this offense. And it brought me back to a line, one of my favorite lines from the movie Miracle, where um, they, you know, he said, here's the roster. And the assistant coach said, you're missing some of the best players. And, you know, Kevin, uh, he said, um, Kevin Costner, Jesus. Uh, he, he <laughs> That's draft day, buddy. Wow. I, you know, out of it. He <laughs> said, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. And it's not that you don't want the best players, but if the best players don't fit a specific role in a scheme like this, maybe they're not the best fit. And you're looking, one of the things that you're looking, it's been discussed all over Brown's Twitter and Brown's media and, you know, uh, newspaper, radio, anybody who covers this team is the one thing that they're missing since Odell went down is that deep speed threat. They've got some guys that do great things in the receiver position, Richard and Jarvis and, and, and Kadero Hodge when he's healthy. They do super things, but none of them are blow the lid off the defense type guys that, you know, 
you got you, you can take the safety out of out of the equation because he has to you know respect that speed and Hall is a guy that can do that so you know I, again it's a waiver claim in week what 14 13 whatever week it is he may go on the practice squad for a few weeks and never see the light of day or they could bring him up immediately and try to use him as that speed but I like the, I like the pickup it you know it shows that Andrew is going to investigate all outlets, all avenues to try to improve this team's chances to win, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Absolutely. And I think, obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones has speed 448 uh, the combine, but 4-2 and 4-4-8 somehow are really significantly different. Mm-hmm. They just are. Um, that that just elite electric speed. Um, I think it'll be interesting, but you're right. Um, I actually said in our Slack channel that I didn't want, or I didn't think the Browns should pick up uh, you know, a wide receiver because it would take so long for them to really integrate. I don't mean him because you're right. If he's just doing nine routes, some some deep over routes, a post, right. you know, he's got like four routes. There really isn't a lot there. And worst case scenario, you occupy a safety here or there. And so uh, similar to Tedrick Thompson, we don't, Thomas, Thompson, whatever. Uh, there's where my cognitive abilities are. Still 9-3, we don't care. Um, you know, who, who they brought up as a safety uh, from Kansas City. Adding talent, adding people that might be able to help works, right? And and both of them are players that could be helpful this year, could be helpful next year, aren't really going to change things dramatically in, in any way, shape, or form. But at least it shows that they're continuing to improve the team that is now 9-3. and three. So we, we got off track because, you know, while we're recording this, so if you wonder what time we recorded, you now know because Marvin <laughs> Hall was claimed while we were recording I have three screens. One of them has Twitter up, and the Cleveland Browns announced it. So that's how we got to that. So let's get back quickly into kind of the, the last half of what we want to talk about. Uh, so the Ravens game is coming up. We don't need to break it down uh, in a in a to- totality. But as you look at the Ravens game, given what we saw against Tennessee, Jacksonville, you know, the, the three games before that in weather, uh, do you have expectations? Do you care if the Browns get blown out? Like, what are your thoughts about how the results of this game could be and how they will affect the team? Well, I've been saying for a few weeks now that I think they have the team to reverse that loss uh, for you know numerous reasons, some of which we've, we've touched on uh, here in the last 20 minutes or however long we've been talking, in that they're just more comfortable in the scheme at this point. I mean, if you think back to week one, they moved the ball fairly well in the first half. They just It was stop and start, and they were unsure of what they were doing, and they were off just a little bit. And, you know, we said at the time, hopefully that's part of learning this scheme because it takes a time to ma- it takes a, a while to master it. And I think they're in a different place offensively uh, with that now. And, you know, the Ravens, like us, have had some injury issues. They've got guys out here and there. We don't know. All, you know, 74 of them coming back from the COVID list over the next eight days, how <laughs> sharp they're going to be. We, we don't know. They're still a good team. I mean, as much as we all like to, you know, say things like the Ravens suck, you know, they may suck as a team, but not, you know, on the field. You know, <laughs> there's a difference between we just don't like them. people, but. Yeah, uh... exactly. And I'm not saying that because, you know, if any of them hear me and find out where I live, they could all beat me up really, really easy. But, you know, you're even saying you don't punter. like. Them. Even the punter. Oh, without even messing up his hair, he could beat me up. It's not <laughs> even a question. Um, but the point is, there's a difference between we don't like them, they suck, and they suck, suck. So, you know, I, they're a really, really good football team as much as we don't want them to be. But I think we have the team 
now to compete with them. And what the Browns did early in the first half against the Titans with that bare front is going to be really interesting because I think, you know, Jake has said it, and I trust his football acumen you know, far more than my own. He said that that might be something that could work against the Ravens' offense uh, as well as, you know, predicated on Lamar making plays with his legs a lot and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. And plus, it's Monday night. They're going to be fired up um, if the Ravens somehow lose or even if they don't lose to the, you know, uh, to the Cowboys, the Browns have an opportunity next Monday to, to bury Baltimore's season. I mean, if they beat them next week, regardless of what the Ravens do in the rest of their games, I think it's percent. It's almost 100% that they're out of the playoffs. Um, and so it's going to be a much different feel. It's going to be a much different team. Uh, we have to wait and see what the weather looks like, obviously. But, yeah, I, I do not expect them to get housed again. Um, and I think they have a good shot of winning that game, and, and that belief has only been bolstered by what they did yesterday in Tennessee, or Sunday, by the time this airs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then, then the last remaining schedule. So we have Baltimore, New York, New York, and that's mostly me being lazy because I don't remember if it's Jets, Giants, whichever order. It's New York, and then it's New York, and then it's Pittsburgh. So remaining schedule, the Browns are 9-3. and three. As you look at that remaining schedule, off-air we talked a little bit about um, some interesting, I'll call it pipe dream, uh, uh, that Stephen had. But the Cleveland Browns, um, <laughs> in, in the modern era, uh, the best record they've ever had is 12 wins. Uh, they've had that a couple times. And then before that, they were 14-0. and uh, So obviously 14 wins is out with already three losses. But 12 or 13 wins... Am I right there? No. Yeah. 13 wins is still possible. So as you look at the remaining schedule, uh, you can either talk about your little pipe dream or just talk about what you see in these last four games and what you're looking forward to, kind of what do you expect the Browns to be when Week 17 ends? Well, we've been saying for a while now, ever since the playoffs started to become an actual possibility that let's look at, let's just win the games that we should win on paper and then see what we can do from there. And they've done that thus far. They've won every game since the bye that they should win on paper. And the two New York games, uh, despite this newfound fear of the Giants that is going around Browns media that I simply don't understand, uh, they should win those games. There's no gimmies in the NFL. Nobody is saying, everybody's saying, oh, everybody thought the Giants were going to be a gimme. Nobody thought they were going to be a gimme. There's no such thing as a gimme. There are no... Northwest, Eastern, Southern Texas states in the NFL. Okay, <laughs> you got to show up every single week. I mean, the Raiders have proved that the last two weeks. We're talking about a team that's fighting for the playoffs that should have lost to the Jets and got absolutely walloped by the Falcons. You better show up every single week. But you look at it on paper, they should win both of those games. So that gets them to 11. Then you've got home games against division rivals. We already have talked about why they're going to be absolutely amped out of their minds next Monday night against the Ravens. And if you look at the remaining schedules, let's just say hypothetically, <laughs> they, they, they win the game against Baltimore. And then they hold serve. 10 and 3. Uh, 11 and 3. 12 and 3. Now, now, you look at Pittsburgh's remaining schedule. They've got Washington football team here today. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, guess, I think it's kicking off here in a few minutes. Um, and everybody, there's a lot of people out there saying that Washington might pull the upset today. But whether they do or not, the Steelers have the Colts and the Bills remaining, two very good football teams who match up well on paper with their defenses and are also fighting for the playoffs. Uh, the Bengals, which should be a win. Uh, but then they come 
to Cleveland to close out the season. So let's hypothetically just say that, you know, because of the Dupree injury and Ben's not 100% and whatever you want to say, the Bills and Colts both beat them. It's possible, depending on tiebreakers, and it's too early to break it down that far, that that Week 17 matchup could be for the division. Uh, and again, we're 10 steps out over our skis here, and, you know, who knows what could happen between. But just the fact that that's not insane is in itself insane <laughs> to think about. I mean, even two weeks ago, even a week ago, two days ago, before the Titans game, if you had said that there's more than just a mathematical possibility that they could, they could still catch Pittsburgh for the division, if you had said that out loud, people would have thought you were nuts. And it might still be nuts. I mean, they could, you know... I, Pittsburgh's 11-0 for a reason. They're not terrible, okay? They could win. They could beat Washington. They could beat Buffalo. They could beat uh, the Colts. And then, as we've been saying for a while, we could be playing their second team week 17 because they're resting for the playoffs. That's absolutely possible. But it's also not really out of the realm to think that we might be able to catch them, which is, uh, it's, a, it's incredible. Like you said, it's, it's possibly the best record in my lifetime, anyway. It's It's... One of the best teams in my lifetime, and they have, if you look at the remaining schedules on paper, they do have the advantage if they can somehow uh, win that game next week against Baltimore. So I, I think at this point, and it's, it's difficult to say this as a Cleveland, lifelong Cleveland fan because we just always expect the worst. <laughs> right. But if they don't make the playoffs at this point, it would be a major disappointment because they should – on paper, you know, assuming health and, you know, crazy injuries out of the way or COVID stuff, they should win both of those New York games at minimum. 11-5 and five should be the absolute minimum they finish at at this point on paper. So, and yes, there are scenarios where 11-5 and five doesn't get them in, but they're rather unlikely, I, you know. So, I, I, at this point, I'm expecting... 11 wins, maybe 12, and that five seed is what I'm expecting. But I, I'm, if they win next week against Baltimore, I'm going to allow myself to get sucked into dreaming about winning the division. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that if they, if they win next week against Baltimore. Or if Pittsburgh loses to Washington, I'm going to go ahead and allow myself just because, like we said way back at the top of this podcast, it's just fun. So enjoy it. Just, and it just, is. Just enjoy it, man. It's 2020. It's been a long, not only is it 2020, but it's been a long time since we've had legitimate talks like this about the Cleveland Browns. So, man, regardless of what happens coming up, enjoy the moment. It's worth it. And the reality is that we're either rooting for the Steelers to win every game or lose every game that we right. just assume they're going <laughs> to beat the Bengals. But if they lose against Washington, if they lose – Against Buffalo, correct? Is that their next, the, the following one? Uh, uh, Colts, I think. Or, or, I'm not sure what yeah, order. They have Buffalo way, and the Colts. Yep, and then they got us, right? Like they're, right. The, the reality is, is their one division loss would be to the Browns. The Browns' one division loss would be to, uh, oh, they'd have two then. We'd have two. That's, right. where, that's where that, that was stupid tiebreakers. All right, before we finish up, and, and I'm going to finish with a question about the draft because, you know, you, you can't have the draft guy 
you you just can't have that guy uh, on without talking about the draft. I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. By the way, you should have listened to Steven and I when we told you take the over on Browns uh, totals there. Uh, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their uh, bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. So, draft guy, need to ask you. We're looking at the Browns drafting probably later in the first round than we've ever, or non-trade down version, uh, had the Browns drafting. <laughs> you know, and obviously, if we just want to go ahead and uh, assume they make the Super Bowl, thirty-one or thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there uh, one later first round guy uh, that has started to become your guy that you're starting to kind of because I know when I used to do more draft stuff, I had a guy, you know, top five guy, a kind of a top ten guy, top twenty guy, you know, the, the kind of the bottom of the first round. I had guys that started to really be my guys in those areas. Is there anybody kind of in the last, you know, in the playoff picks, so, you know, 20 down, um, that's, that's starting to become your guy uh, that could be somebody you'd like to browse the draft late in the first round next year? It's it's so hard to say at you know on December whatever today is you know because as as you know there's so much that could change and especially this year because we don't know about the salary cap for next year and they could you know not only free agency but they could take on some guys with contracts in trades that you know I've heard Kyle Fuller's name thrown around from Chicago writers that they're they're not going to be able to keep him next year because of their salary cap. Issues. He's at like I think ten or eleven million, which is you know it's not cheap, but it's not certainly not something the Browns couldn't bring on board. And so if they made a, a free agent acquisition or a trade for somebody like that to put opposite Denzel, then in my mind that would slide corner down the need list a little bit and sort of edge the edge guys or you know somebody else up above that. But you know as it stands right now, edge and corner are probably the two top positions. Uh, so whichever guys shake out into that late day one uh, range in there is probably going to be, uh, you know, at the top of the list. That would at this point be, you know, J.C. Horn and Eric Stokes and, and, and guys like that. Or the edge rushers would be Osai or uh, Aziz Ojolari if he uh, declares, guys like that. Um, but if you took one guy, if they have the offseason that I'm sort of anticipating, where they pick up one, maybe two starter-level corners, uh, in free agency or trades, and they're going to, you know, probably pick up a defensive tackle or an edge at some point. If if they're in position to just go, you know, pure playmaker, that kind of stuff, and they don't desperately need to find a corner or an edge or something like that, I'm going to stick with my guy Jeremiah uh, Wusu Koromoa, uh, just because he seems like the kind of chess piece that Joe Woods would absolutely love. He can give you that three-safety look that everybody uh, says that Joe Woods really truly in his core wants to run, and we just don't have the personnel to do it right now. He can play linebacker for you next to Jacob Phillips and, and next to you know maybe B.J. Goodson if they bring him back. Uh, you know He can give you linebacker looks. He can, he can go out and cover the slot. He can do so many things at a high athletic level. So if they're in the 24, 26 range, somewhere in that, range and uh, JOK is still around 
um, uh, obviously, again, like I said, depending on what happens before the draft, I would be completely happy with a guy like that uh, coming and playing on the North Shore next season. That sounds like a guy that I can't pronounce his name, and I'll screw it up all the time, but sounds like a guy that we need to stay paying attention to. I'm intrigued, depending on what happens with Higgins and OBJ, a player like Chris Olave, who had a lot of uh, people liking him uh, as a mid-first-round pick. Maybe he's going to slide down a little bit this year. Uh, There's a lot of wide receivers, Rashard Bateman, uh, Rashad Bateman, all of those guys, uh, depending on what the Browns decide to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, obviously, I hope they focus Terrace on the Marshall. Yeah, there's just a lot. But I hope they focus their energy on the defensive side of the ball. But, again, if we can become that explosive offense and get in just enough, right, if Grant Delpit comes back, Greedy Williams, a lot of ifs, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, you know, Andrew some of those Billings. guys come back. Yeah, Andrew Billings. And then they add a little bit in free agency or through trades like you're talking about. Um, you know, I, I go back to the Browns for the first, I think, four weeks of the season, maybe five, would always be listing Terrence Mitchell as a replacement for Greedy Williams mm-hmm. in the starting lineup. So that tells you what they think about Greedy Williams. Obviously, he has to be healthy, but they have high thoughts of him as well. So it can be very, very interesting. So 9-3. and three. Uh, next week, uh, the we don't know what the recording schedule is going to look like because old man over here going through Monday Night Football, no clue when recording is going to happen. Uh, but we'll work <laughs> on getting Steven back on next week to hopefully celebrate 10-3. and three. But to be honest, the Browns walk out of next week still 9-4 and four, uh, and they get blown their doors off. Guess what? It's all right. It happens, folks. We'll be okay. We'll move on to New York, New York. And then possibly a Pittsburgh team who doesn't care because they're 16 and 0 or 15 and 0 going into that game. So, Stephen, thank you for coming on, man. Anytime, my brother. It's always more fun after a win, too. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. Thanks for coming on the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, you can get a hold of us at the OBR. Uh, you can get a hold of uh, Stephen and I on Twitter. If you don't have our handles, you can find them someplace. We know you will. Please, as holiday season rolls in or continues, please make sure you're always taking care of yourself, taking care of others, and go Browns.